How do you take pride in what you do when all you do is take care of first world problems? Hi, welcome to another sassy, saucy episode of Business Mindset Mastery. I have a little bee in my bonnet today. I'm Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today we're tackling the concept of first world problems. Most of us who are running businesses, most people who are listening to this show are doing exactly that, helping people with pain points that only amount to first world problems. And there's a lot of opinion and judgment on that that we encounter sometimes. Sometimes it's the finger being pointed at us, and sometimes it's the finger we point at ourselves. Either way, that is a descriptor that gets in our way, that's a mindset block in disguise and stops us from being the people we were meant to be, living the lives we're meant to live, running the businesses we want. So looking at this topic, how did it come about, right? How did I start yammering on about this today? I was catching up with some old colleagues of mine on LinkedIn and just, you know, sharing with people what I've been up to and what I've been doing. And one of the um, people that I caught up with was like, wow, like you left agency work and you did private practice. And now, you know, you do this online consulting gig. It must be nice only dealing with first world problems. And it was like the bump, 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 wah, wah, wah kind of like moment after where I found myself not quite knowing what to say. <laughs> you know, we hadn't talked in several years, over 10 years, I think, at last count. Like, why would I want to get in a heated argument? argument with somebody on a social media platform who I barely had any contact with. Um, So there is like this beat in my, you know, taking a moment to respond and to think about what I wanted to say. Because that phrase, first world problems, is so loaded. I myself have used it. I've used it kind of in a self-deprecating way where I've been like, oh, all I do these days is take care of first world problems. But I said the same thing in private practice when I was dealing with mental health private therapy, because most of the people I saw, most of the people who came into my office would have been perfectly fine and able to function without therapy. They weren't severely mentally ill. Their depression and anxiety wasn't getting in their way of living their, you know, of living living, of functioning, of moving, of breathing, or working, but it was still good, important work, just like the work I do now is good, important, and meaningful work. And when, you know, I heard this comment reflected back, it reminded me of when I moved from agency work to private practice, and somebody said to me, um, not the same person, But somebody said to me, oh, you're going to the dark side now, as if this idea of moving to the private sector um, wasn't as altruistic, wasn't as good, wasn't as important. And it reminded me, and I think I have quoted this before, but John Lee Dumas, who's an online, you know, sort of leader and thought leader in the online um, entrepreneur space, you know, he used to get this comment when he told people that he lives in San Diego, and now he's since moved to Puerto Rico. 
Rico, people do the whole must be nice thing. And he says, well, everybody has choices. And as soon as somebody said to me the other day, well, oh, you only deal with first world problems, must be nice. I instantly like felt my back go up and I wanted to be like, well, everyone has choices. But the reality is, is that as business owners, as people moving through the world, we do have to make sense of this. We do have to come to a place of understanding and acceptance around the idea that even if we are not solving the world's most crushing, brutal problems, we are helping with human sort of issues and humanity and having like, you know, we're dealing with people problems. We're dealing with the sort of like what it means, you know, I've, I've talked about this on the show before, like this being human aspect of things and the idea that like personal development matters, being our best self matters, but also too, like, what's the point of judging? What is the point of adding the characteristic of only first world problems or just first world problems? How does that phrase, whether it's being delivered or received, help anybody? But when people are starting businesses, when people are thinking of going outside the lines, thinking about living a less traditional life or, um, working a less traditional job, those judgments, those characteristics have weight and they sting and they stick and they stick to us. And we tend to find ourselves ruminating about them until we come to our own place of understanding and acceptance. It's pretty easy for me to simply accept that right now, in large part, aside from a few people, I really do only serve first world problems. I can come to that place of acceptance and I almost get a get out of jail free card for doing so because I'm so burnt out from mental health therapy and uh, working with really traumatized people and awful histories that I'm kind of doing people a favor by getting out of that field because I'd be no good to anybody. But the Im implication here that there's a lack of value to helping people live a better life that's more consistent with who they are and how they move through the world. The idea that because someone else says so, it's less valuable is bullshit. But we have to decide that for ourselves. This is a values conversation. And if we are rewriting our story, write this down, my friends, because I'm about to repeat myself. If we are going to rewrite our own story, we better make damn sure we're the ones holding the pen. Beginning, middle, and end. That when we open up our lives and our choices to the judgment and opinions of others, we get nowhere. It is totally fine for this woman to think that what I do in this world has little value. I don't need her 
gold star. I don't need her good enough, you know, sort of rubber stamp on what I'm doing or who I am or how I'm serving on anything. Because I know that when I look at my life, when I look at my business, it is largely a reflection of exactly what I want. It's a reflection of my values. It's a reflection of what's important to me. That does not mean that saving kids from abuse and neglect and horrible trauma is no longer valuable to me. It does not mean that helping adults improve their relationships and their marriages and keeping families together like I used to do in my private practice no longer has value to me or releasing depression or anxiety from the people suffering it is no longer valuable to me. What it means to me is it can't be me right now. Maybe someday I'll go back to doing it. Maybe I'll never go back to doing it. But for right now, it can't be me. And I accept that. Because on the flip side, I am helping people improve their quality of life. And for me, that has value at any measure. I don't think that only the most traumatized, impoverished, those lacking the most resources are the only people deserving of help and a release of their suffering. To put a quantifier on pain of what's real pain or pain worthy of serving or any of that, I I find just counterintuitive to my values. It's not what's important to me. Am I going to tell you that helping a person start a business has more value than the time I talked a kid off a roof? No, I saved a life and we're always going to choose life over business every single time. I get that. But that doesn't mean that helping someone start a business doesn't have worth or value. Because here's the thing, is money makes the world go round, and we can pretend that's not true, we can rail against it, we can argue against it, but the idea being that helping people make money is something that we should feel bad about, that's something we should feel small about, and we should only talk about in hush-hush tones in the back room when we're talking to other people who are in the social service sector or other people who are doing more... um, you know, less business focused work and or whatever is nonsense. And everybody is going to have an opinion. And we all have choices for what we're going to do about it. Because here's what I also know to be true. When I was working in the private sector, uh, when I was working in the agency sector, rather, when I was in social services, I don't think I had any regular, consistent people or things that I donated to. I never donated to a cause. I never contributed to a social issue. I never put my money where my mouth was because in my mind, I was already doing enough. I was doing social work. I was working with the traumatized youth and families of the state of Massachusetts. That was good enough. Now that I've been in the private sector for, you know, over 10 years, getting close to 20 at this point, I guess, 15, I don't know, I'm losing count here. Um, But I contribute regularly to a wide variety of issues. I help people build businesses that make them enough money so they can contribute too to a larger, you know, variety of issues and tackle social service problems at the core with, you know, helping them fix their budgets. I'm talking in circles. 
I'm sorry. And I'm totally not editing this out because I think you're all getting my point regardless. But, you know, here's the thing. It's so easy for us to hear someone's opinion and stop. To hear someone's opinion and go, oh, what if they have a point? Who am I to be doing this? What am I supposed to be doing? But the reality is, is that we get to live our life by our own values. And if we value solving any particular problem, we can't stay still until someone else decides it in fact is valuable. Because then we're just getting in our own way, we're playing small, and we're, we're just hiding, and we're not showing up. And how does that, you know, do any value to anybody, first world problem or not? But the reality is, too, is we have a shared human experience. We go through life and life happens to us. And what we do in response to that is the only thing we have any control over. And if we decide that there's only a specific way of responding that's worthy, if we only subscribe to this idea that there's specific steps we need to be taking in order to live a life worth living that other people would approve of, we are constantly setting ourselves up to fail. We are constantly setting ourselves up to the story of not good enough. And what does that do? What is living a life against our values, against what we really want to be doing, against who we really believe we are? Well, my friends, that leads to depression and anxiety. And you can ask me how I know, because I had a room full of people for years and years filling up my private practice who were afraid to move, who were afraid to say this marriage is making me miserable. I don't really like the choices I've been making. I don't want to be in this friendship anymore. I don't want this job anymore. And when you don't respond to that, when you don't live the life on your terms, running the business you want or in the job you want, you end up depressed. When do we say that's not a first world problem? When do we just say, huh, let's do a good prevent defense. Let's see if we can put off the number of people struggling with depression and anxiety by helping them build happier lives that are more worthwhile. We all have to do this gut check with ourselves. We all have to look at our conscience and make sure that our values are reflective of who we are, what we do, and how we serve. And we are the only ones who can define that. But so many people get in their own way. I keep hearing this phrase, this first world problems. I had two clients recently say it to me. And then I had this old colleague say it to me. And look at that phrase and look at what it does. Does it help anybody? Does it serve anybody? Does it add anything to the conversation? I don't disagree with it as a notion. I don't disagree with it as, um, you know, a concept. I'm not saying that the problems I serve aren't first world. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. That in the scheme of things, in the scheme of life, whatever level of pain or suffering we are alleviating is less pain in the world. And who are you to not be easing the suffering 
because you don't think it's an important enough pain to sit and play small and to not press play on whatever goal or dream you want or take whatever action step you need to because you don't think the pain you're serving and healing and reducing is a big enough pain to matter. Why should somebody else suffer while you get your stuff together to figure it out to get out of your own way? People are going to have opinions. I know that there's people who, you know, still hold opinions about me leaving the social work community. First of all, because I walked away from a talent. Um, it's so funny. You guys listening to the show will, will just never have seen or known about that old version of me. But I used to be pretty incredible helping the most challenged, traumatized youth and families in the state of Massachusetts. I say that with a lot of pride. I say that with a lot of just quiet knowing. And yes, I walked away from the talent. Yes, I was given a gift and a skill set and an insight and ability to help and heal. And yes, I walked away from it. That it doesn't mean that I'm never going to do anything valuable again. And nobody gets to tell me different. But nobody gets to tell you different. And, you know, it's so funny. As I said this to somebody the other day, one of the clients who was using this phrase with me, and I said, hey, like, well, then what are you saying about me? Because I used to help kids from stop kids from killing themselves. I used to put together, you know, families that were, you know, ravaged by abuse and trauma and help the healing process and reunite parents with their kids. Now that I just help you, who are you to say that doesn't have value? And she immediately came back and she's like, well, you did your, you paid your dues. You at least at some point in time came back to society so you can help me. Like, why is there a rule book on that? Why do we keep coming up with reasons and excuses for not being good enough? for not being worthwhile enough, for the things we want to do and the dreams we want to accomplish not having value. We're giving someone else the pen and we're allowing them to rewrite our story for ourselves, that this is who you are now. This is what you do and this is how you don't serve and this is how you don't make a difference and it's nonsense. But this phrase is one that people are latching on to and it's not doing anybody any good. When you think about how to move out of that, how to find peace with it, how to find acceptance, you have to decide your value. How is what you want to accomplish and what you want to bring into the world valuable and meaningful to you? And then I want you to go back to that old starfish example that so many of us grew up with, with the old man or the old woman, whoever you talk about, you know, on a sea of starfish on the sand, throwing them one by one into the ocean and being questioned about what's the point of it all because there's so many and you throw the starfish into the water and you say, it makes a difference to that one. How do you get out of this, you know, sort of self-deprecating talk about first world problems, having, you know, whether or not you're the person who has them, whether or not you're the person who's serving people who have them, you think about the difference you're making and the value in making that difference and you own it unapologetically. 
Sometimes when people outright question you, sometimes when people outright challenge you, you are going to be forced to defend yourself. I want to remind you that that choice is always yours to make. You don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't owe anybody a sort of a rundown of all the whys this is important and why you have value. You don't have to defend yourself to anybody. And I was seeing my own personal growth in the past, you know, 10 plus years because when somebody said to me after, you know, hearing that I was moving from agency work to private practice, And when somebody said, you're moving to the dark side, who's going to help the children now? And, you know, that's a heavy comment, right? I remember feeling like I had to list all the reasons. I immediately wanted to be like, but you don't understand. Like, the man I'm dating is disabled and in a wheelchair and I can't do caregiving all the time. I can't, you know, sit with these really heavy stories and then go home and sit with his really heavy story and da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. I just wanted to keep explaining myself and defending myself. And, you know, in 10 plus years, I've now reinvented myself again. I've held the pen the entire time. I've rewritten my story again. I likely will again because I'm not even 50 yet. So I'm sure there's another iteration of Heather Gray coming your way. But I won't let go of the pen and you can't let go of yours. Because now when somebody says to me, must be nice, I said, you know what? It really is. I love having the opportunity to make a difference in so many different ways, and I'm not done yet. And that's how I ended the conversation. And that's how I responded. You don't owe anybody an explanation. I could have ignored that. I didn't have to skip it. But in the 10 plus years of my own personal development, my own mindset work, my own work on self-acceptance, that's where I landed. And what's so important is that you land wherever you want to land, wherever you're meant to land with your truth and your story. And make darn sure, my friends, you're holding the pen. Rewrite it on your terms, no matter what the ending or if you're just simply writing a chapter. Because any other ending written by anybody else, first world problem or not, certainly doesn't have a point. Find your truth and you'll find your worth. That's where I'm going to leave you for today. Thanks for joining me in this conversation. If you want to keep it going, find me over at heather at choose to have it all.com. I'd love to engage with you. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. And I really look forward to talking to you next time. If you're getting value from this show, if you like what you're hearing, the best way you could do that is to get word out about the show, share it, subscribe it, let your friends and family know that you're listening. I would surely appreciate appreciate getting my uh, message out to as many people who need to hear it. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.